0: Well, good morning. This is Pastor Darrell Tate from Highland Park Baptist Church coming to you today with radio devotions. I so appreciate your tuning in this morning and I trust that this broadcast will find you doing well today and experiencing the joy of Jesus and that you're walking in the light of His marvelous grace. I so appreciate the radio station providing us this time and opportunity to share with you the unsearchable riches of Christ. You know, the Bible says that God's word never returns void. And every time it is declared, it says it accomplishes that which he pleases. And you know, that's my prayer. That's my heart's prayer, that God's word will always accomplish what he desires um, and what he wants. So it never returns void. So uh, today we're going to look again at his word and know that it'll find Uh, a penetrating place for our lives that'll help transform us into the people he wants us to be. Let's pray together as we start our devotional time. Lord, what a great joy it is to call on your name today. Thank you for the great privilege of prayer that you invite us to call on you, to come into your presence knowing that you hear us when we pray. Uh, Lord, you are certainly so good to us. We are better, um, you are better to us than we are to you. I know that is so true in my life. Thank you for your amazing grace and your steadfast love. Thank you God for the great privilege now to speak a word of truth as we share your unsearchable riches. Bless every listener. There may be folk here today listening from very difficult circumstances. It could be someone on their hospital bed, someone in their prison cell. It could be someone who's just just gone through a divorce or someone who's experiencing a time of grief today. Lord, I pray whatever the situation, that your word would be alive and powerful and that it would be penetrating in our lives this morning. For we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to share with you a passage of Scripture today that comes from a very emotional scene in the Scriptures. In fact, it's probably one of the, if not the, the most emotional scene that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. It's emotional because it is the scene of Calvary, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. And there is no more emotional scene in the Bible than it is when you talk about the death of our Savior, the innocent Lamb of God, dying for not crimes that he committed, but crimes that you and I have committed against God. And he willingly became our substitute, our sacrifice, bearing in his own body the wrath that should have been poured out on us. And it's truly an emotional scene when we read about the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. I want to speak to you for the next few moments from a passage in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, and I want to talk to you about dying to forgive. Dying to forgive. Listen to Jesus' words as he is on the cross now, experiencing the pain of crucifixion. Jesus said in Luke 23, 34, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Perhaps the most telling words a person will speak are their final words. Throughout his years of ministry, Jesus spoke with such authority that the Bible says that the men, men's hearts burned. His words were powerful. His words were truth, but at the same time his words were were refreshing. Among his most profound words were his last. Do you know in the searing heat of the noonday sun, the Savior of the world was hanging nailed to a Roman cross, dying for the sins of the world. And in that moment, he did not curse his executioners. He did not revile his tormentors. He did not respond evil to his enemies. But moments before he took his last breath, now listen to me, hear me well, Jesus could be heard praying for his enemies. Praying for his enemies. His prayer was not a request for retribution, but a prayer of forgiveness. Listen, Jesus refused to hold his enemies in an emotional prison but he released them and he died not as a bitter man holding a grudge but a loving Savior who embodied what it means to forgive and having endured a brutal mocking, having endured a brutal humiliating event of a kangaroo court and a mock trial where they would spit in his face and pull his beard and slap him and call him every vulgar name known to man. As Jesus is on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Ravensbrook uh, concentration camp was built back in the early 1930s near a small lake just north of Berlin, Germany. The concentration camp was built primarily for women who were part of the Dutch and French resistance to Nazi occupation, for many, many months, Ravensbrück was an inhospitable home for a young lady named Corrie Ten Boom. Do you know over 90,000 women and children perished at Ravensbrück? And little, if anything, is written about them uh, in history. But there is at least one thing we have left from Ravensbrück. Written on a tattered, ripped, and worn-out sheet of paper and found in the clothing of a dead child at Ravensbrook, were the words, O Lord, remember not only the men and women of good will, but also those of ill will but do not remember all the suffering they have inflicted upon us. Instead, remember the fruits we have borne because of this suffering. Our fellowship, our loyalty to one another, our humility, our courage, our generosity, the greatness of heart that has grown from this trouble. When our persecutors come to be judged by you, let all of these fruits that we have borne be their forgiveness. My goodness. Can you imagine such words that a person would write for those holding them as captives in a concentration camp? Only God knows the author of those words and the selflessness of the one who, like Jesus, prayed for his tormentors. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Several years ago, an American uh, psychiatrist, Elizabeth Ross, author of On Death and Dying, presented what's called five stages of grief. Now, some people have added more to these and some say there are less, but um, primarily five stages of grief. And, and, And this is what she says. First of all, there is denial that when an individual goes through the process of losing someone that is close to them, that the first step is denial. They say things like, this can't be happening. Looking for the former spouse in familiar places or if it is death, setting the table for a person or acting as if they're still living there. No crying or not accepting or even acknowledging the loss they're living in denial. The second one is anger. Why me? Feelings of wanting to fight back or get even or listen, even blaming their loved one for leaving. Leaving them in death. Thirdly, there's the bargaining stage. Bargaining often takes place before the loss, attempting to make deals with God to stop or to change the loss. Then there is the fourth stage, which is depression. Overwhelming feelings of hopelessness, frustration, bitterness, self-pity, mourning loss of a person as well as the hopes and the dreams and the plans in the future, feeling Like there's a lack of control, feeling numb. That's the sense of depression. And then finally, there's that fifth stage of moving through grief, and that is acceptance. That there is a difference between resignation and acceptance. You have to accept the loss, not just try to bear it quietly. Realization that the person is gone in death, that it's not their fault, that they didn't leave you on purpose. Finding the good that come out of the pain of that loss. Finding comfort and healing. Our goal is to turn toward personal growth. Well, those are kind of the five stages of of the grieving process. Well, you know, I have discovered, and maybe, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe you would agree, maybe you wouldn't agree with this, but I've discovered as a pastor that true forgiveness, when we are expected to forgive and offer forgiveness, that true forgiveness really doesn't take place until an individual passes through much of the same grieving process. For example, the betrayal of a friend, the sense of an abandonment from a broken relationship, the sting of criticism, or the wound of a harsh antagonist, those things settle deep into the heart and the mind, and it takes on a life of its own. Now, let me just say, to heal from that, it's not as easy as saying, okay, I forgive, (laughs) It's not as easy as saying, all right, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to forget. Listen, we are emotional people. We are emotional human beings. God created us as emotional people and sometimes as emotional people, those emotions of ours are raw and they get hurt, they get injured, and we just can't gloss over that and say, I forgive, I forget. It's over with. No, usually, listen, it has been my experience having been in the ministry for a long time now that the journey from denial to acceptance takes time in grief and it takes time in healing emotional wounds as well. Forgiveness is a process. Listen, how many times have you wanted to exercise forgiveness and you say in your heart, yes, I forgive, But then when you see that individual or you're reminded of that circumstance, all of the old thoughts come flooding back, which really is a sign that you never forgave in the first place. Maybe you had good intentions to forgive. You wanted to forgive. You tried to forgive, but you did not move through that process of healing those emotional wounds. So the question I have for you today is not that have you been injured The question I have for you today is what stage of recovery are you in from that injury? You see, some people live in anger all their lives and they become best friends with bitterness. Some people live in a state of depression and they're married to self-pity. Some live in denial and they suffer with unresolved conflict. But listen, there are others that have navigated their way through this kind of emotional recovery process and they've accepted the fact that they live in an imperfect world that they work with, live with, or married to or given birth to imperfect people and they've moved beyond the injuries of life. We have to do that. We have to allow God to heal our emotions and to exemplify what Jesus did on the cross when he could have very easily cursed or lashed out at his enemies. He in turn offered a prayer and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they, need, what they do. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers, once said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Isn't that so true? Oh, we think forgiveness is a great theological concept. We think gr- forgiveness is a great uh, humanitarian or philosophical idea that we can give to other people and show them just how... Noble we are by excusing a hurt that they've caused us. Everyone thinks it's a good idea until we actually have something to forgive. And then it's a different story, isn't it? That injury gets so deep in the crevices of our heart every time we think of it. Our blood pressure rises or our face gets flushed and our throat gets dry. And we think about rather than forgiving, I want that person to get what's coming to them. Listen, may I say to you this morning, every person needs forgiveness. And every person needs to extend forgiveness. Everybody needs to be forgiven. And everybody needs to express forgiveness. Listen, in the coming days of your life, In the coming weeks and months of your life, let the final words of Jesus resonate in your mind. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. If you will do that and you will model what Jesus did upon the cross, he didn't die a bitter man. He didn't die an angry, cynical man filled with with, uh, emotional wounds that were never resolved, but he let go of that. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he he had the, the joy that you and I can experience. And we would experience the joy of the abundant life that the Lord Jesus Christ offers us. So listen, I always say that Jesus is my great example. He is a man's man. He is a model of perfection in everything that he said and did. He is the only person who never sinned, never failed, never let us down. And he taught us right about how to handle emotional wounds. Don't nurse it. Don't be tied to it as if it's an umbilical cord that you continue to feed. I would say to you today, cut that cord. Let go of that emotional hurt or even perceived emotional hurt, whatever it may be, and say as Jesus did, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Give me the grace to live not in bitterness, but in the glory Of a forgiven spirit. Let's pray. Lord, you have forgiven us of so much. Who in the world are we to hold on to any kind of a grudge towards someone else? You have been so gracious that, Lord, we could never repay the debt that we owe to you. And, Lord, you have made available to us salvation, heaven, abundant life here, the promise of eternity with you. All because, Lord, of your immense love for us. Nothing that we did earned that. How could we accept all of that from you and refuse to forgive someone who may have caused an emotional injury to us? Help us to be people who live by the book, who follow your will, who live in the light of your grace and would be people who are willing to exercise forgiveness to others. Bless the radio listeners today. Walk with them. Encourage each person today. We'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to Morning Devotions. This has been Pastor Daryl Tate from Highland Park Baptist Church saying, God bless you, and I trust you will have a marvelous day.